678 CA students, good to be with you guys. My name is Levi. I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and I am so glad that you decided to join us for CA students online tonight. It's going to be, it has been an amazing time, and I'm excited as we jump into God's Word together. We are, this is week two in a series that we're calling Remind, Remind. It's all about the war that is taking place in our minds. It's a, it's a spiritual war, but spiritual is not code word for figurative. It's a literal war, but it's spiritual, not figurative. It's happening in our minds, and we want to know how do we win this war in our minds. And so Jake started us off last week, he taught us that there's a battle for our minds, and we can win by letting God change the way that we think. Our, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts, and so we need to consider where we are letting our thoughts lead us in our lives. We do have a spiritual enemy, and his attacks on our minds place us in a real spiritual battle. And through God's power, the way we, the way we think can change, and that results in the way we live changing. So that's, that's good news for us tonight. Uh, as we uh, get into it tonight, I have kind of a funny story, kind of sad, kind of funny. But when I was in elementary school, I had this friend, and I went over to his house, and he had this dog. And their dog was, was kind of a little bit of a troublemaker in that when it would get outside, it would kind of run away. <laughs> and they would have to like, oh, chase it down and find it and bring it back to their house, right? And so eventually, my friend's family, they like installed this invisible electric fence. So like the dog had this little like shock thing on his collar. And so when he would go past like a certain line that they made on the yard, he would get like a, like a little zap zap, you know? Uh, and so he kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And over time, he learned, hey, once I come to this line, I can't go beyond this or I'm going to get zap zap, right? And so eventually the dog stopped running away, which was the point. And so that was awesome, right? But then my friend, he and his family, they moved houses. And at this new house, they didn't yet put in this invisible electric fence. But the dog still didn't run away. Why not? Because the dog didn't want to get zap-zapped, right? <laughs> and so it had learned that if it tried to escape, that if it tried to go beyond, that it would get zapped, right? And so even though there was no power holding it inside the yard, it still acted as if there was. And see, student 678, I wonder if some of us are living our lives captured by nothing more than lies. And I just want to say that I think it's time for us to fight back. And so would you pray with me and just ask that as we come to God's word, that the spirit would speak to us and show himself to us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that your word, like you, is alive and it's active. And so God, as we come to your word, I pray that you would be revealing truth to us, that you would be uh, exposing lies for what they are, and that we would ground our lives in your truth and that it would set us free. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so again, last week, Jake established for us that we are in a battle. And some people call this spiritual warfare because it's a spiritual war. That makes sense, right? But my question is, what is this spiritual warfare? What does this battle look like on a day-to-day -day basis? And I want to suggest that mainly what this battle looks like is the enemy putting a lie in your head, putting a thought in your head that's a lie, and then we have a choice whether we're going to believe him or not. 
We have a choice about who we are going to agree with, the enemy's lies or God's truth. And so here's the main point for tonight. We fight the war for our minds by replacing the lies of the enemy with the truth of God. That we fight the war for our minds by replacing the lies of the enemy with the truth of God. You see, there are a million moments every day when we're given a choice of what we are going to believe. Uh, what we're going to believe about ourselves and what we're going to believe about others, right? When someone does something that annoys you or hurts you and then this thought comes into your head that says they always do that. You have a choice of whether or not you're going to agree with that accusation, with that lie from the enemy. Or maybe you get a bad grade on a test or you let someone else down and this thought comes into your head that says nothing I do is ever good enough. You have a choice of whether or not you're going to agree with that or not. You see, the war for our minds is won or lost by whose voice you agree with. You see, a huge component of spiritual warfare is disagreeing with the enemy and agreeing with God instead. We need to break off old agreements with the enemy and replace them with agreements with God. And so here's kind of our first point for tonight, that a lie believed as truth will affect our lives as though it were true. A lie believed as truth will affect our lives as though it were true. Remember the electric fence, right? The dog believed there was a fence there, and so it affected his life as though it were there. You see, Satan's strategy to win the battle for your mind is to keep you believing lies about yourself, about others, and about your situations. If he can get you to believe that you'll always lose, he can probably get you to never try, and he wins. If he can get you to believe that you'll never measure up, then nothing you do will ever feel like it's enough because by believing that lie, you've already made a conclusion about the outcome of what of whatever you're going to try, and so he wins again. You believe that your worth is tied to what other people think about you, then he's going to have you anxious and desperate because no matter what you do, you will never have anyone's, everyone's approval, and he wins again. If he can get you to believe that God's word is outdated or untrustworthy, then he can get you to step away from the way, the truth, and the life, and he wins again. You see, these things, these lies that we believe, that we buy into, it's what the New Testament calls a stronghold, a stronghold. And this is like an older term talking about like a fortress. Think of like a fortress on a mountaintop that's totally impossible for attackers to overcome, right? And so imagine a thought or a lie so secure in your mind, it's like a fortress keeping truth out of it. You see, a lie believed as truth will affect our lives as though it were true. However, a lie acknowledged as a lie loses its power over us. A lie acknowledged as a lie loses its power over us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 say this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary... They have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. We go on offense. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What is this scripture saying? It's saying that we have weapons that have God's power to demolish those strongholds, those lies that are so entrenched in our heads. We can overcome them. We can conquer them. And we can then not just be on the defensive, we can go on the offensive and take every thought captive and replace it with God's truth. You see, a lie believed as truth will affect our lives as though it were true, but a lie acknowledged as a lie loses its power over us. And I want to be really clear. This is different than self-help. I'm not saying like, hey, just stop believing bad things about yourself and believe better things about yourself and you'll feel better. No, I'm not about self-help. I'm about God help, right? Here's the thing. You don't have good enough news to transform your own life. Only the love and power of God through Jesus is good enough and true enough news to replace the lies of the enemy with And so if this is true, then to live the life Jesus died to give you, some lie detection is going to be necessary. CA students in 6, 7, 8. Because you can't change what you won't confront. You can't change what you won't confront. We must go to war. This is not just defense trying to endure. This is going on the offense, trying to reclaim what the enemy has stolen. We don't win by only playing defense, by being a victim. We have power and authority through Jesus to identify lies and to replace lies with God's truth. But this is not something that happens automatically. You don't just sit back and say, yeah, God, handle that for me. No, this happens through partnership with God. You cannot defeat what you do not define. And so it's time to step in the ring. It's time to go to war. We must commit to the work of discerning our thoughts to find the lies, to step into the battle, to take them captive, and to replace them all with God's truth. And if that sounds like a lot, don't worry. All of this is accomplished with God's weapons, with God's power, with God's truth, and with God's help. And so first, a lie believed as true will affect our lives as though it's true, but a lie recognized as a lie will lose its power over us. And second, we face new fights with an old sword. We face new fights with an old sword. You see, there is always going to be another lie that the enemy is trying to get you to believe. And it might even be a similar lie in a new situation, but there's always going to be another fight. You see, for me, I find that the enemy often tries to pull me into fear through lies, right? I've found that no matter what stage of life I'm in, there's always going to be a new fear opportunity waiting for me, right? And so, like, when I was uh, in middle school or high school, some of my fears were like, ah, am I going to get good enough grades? Am I going to, like, get that girl to like me? Am I going to be able to get into that college, right? And kind of, you spin it from there further, right? You're like, ah, am I going to get married? And like, ah, am I going to get get a good college so I can get a good job? And all these things spin, 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 right? Six, seven, eight, see you students. I am now married. I now have a job, right? And so those things that used to be fears in my life have been resolved because I followed Jesus, not perfectly, but faithfully, right? But I still feel fear, 
right? I still, and sometimes it's even the same thing of like, man, I wonder if like the job I have is going to be good enough for my whole life, <laughs> right? Even though I've been given no reason why it wouldn't be. And I, and I kind of begin to wonder all these other things. And there's always going to be another fear opportunity. We're never going to arrive to a place this side of eternity where there's just no more fear. There are no more lies that we need to deal with, right? There will always be a new lie that can hold you down. And so 678C students, we need an old truth to combat these new lies. You see, sometimes I want to talk about old things, right? Sometimes we automatically dismiss something if it's old. We assume that it must be irrelevant, outdated, backwards, or insufficient, right? We live in a culture that worships the new thing, right? Because it's new, it's good or better. But what if we had a different perspective on old, right? What if something is old because it works, What if something is old because after battle, after battle, after battle, it kept on winning and so it's still around? This is the reality of God's word, CA students. It's not old and it needs to be left behind. It's old because it keeps on conquering lies. It keeps on bringing hope. It keeps on setting people free. It's an old sword that's able to handle every new fight, every new lie, every new fear, the same word of God is able to handle it. If Satan's primary weapon is deception, then our greatest counter weapon is the truth of God's word, the sword of the spirit. You see, we can't do this on our own. We're not able to discern between truth and lies on our own. Proverbs 14, 12, I could cite a number of verses. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death, right? Like people, because we've been broken by sin, we are not able to perfectly discern between truth and lies on our own. We need something else. And the good news is there is something else that can help us discern between truth and falsehood. We have access to a better lie detector. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, for the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You see, the word of God, just like Jesus, it's alive and it's active, and it's going to help us discern between truth and lives. You've got to know scripture, CA students in 678, or else, as my daughter Glory would say, you're walking into battle naked, right? You, if, you, if you don't know scripture, you don't have a sword to fight this battle with. You don't have anything to replace the lies with. Don't walk into battle naked, right? You walk into battle armed. We got to know God's word. I'm not saying you need to memorize everything, but I'm saying get into it regularly and it will stay with you and you'll be armed for the battles that you face every day. Once we discern a lie in our mind, we're able to replace it with God's truth. Jake mentioned this, last, this thing last week. It's called neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity, it's this ability of the brain, sorry if this is going too far into biology, to reorganize synaptic connections. All right, what does that mean? It means that there are neurons firing through your brain. It's how our brain thinks, right? And what it means is that they go through synapses, and if they can reorient, that means the pathway that your thoughts take through your brain can change. And this is what that means. The same thoughts 
can travel through, to a, through a new path to a new destination, to a different destination. The same thoughts can travel on a new path to a different destination. That means when you used to experience someone not being impressed by you, you used to go, I'm not okay or I'm not valuable because I don't have their approval. But now there's a new path your mind can take. Now you can think my value is not based on what I do, but on the one who made me and on the one who paid for my life. That's Jesus. So regardless of what others think, I am valued because I'm loved by God. Bam, a new destination has become available. When you used to experience, oh, I failed again, you used to go to like, oh, I'm a victim. Nothing good is going to happen to me. But now there's a new path. You can say, God is for me, and I'm more than a conqueror through him. Hello, Romans 8, 31 and 37, right? God tells me I am a victor, not a victim. I can overcome anything in his name. When you used to experience uh, something went wrong in my life, again, you used to go to, oh, God can't be trusted. I need to be in control of my life. But now there's a new option. You can go this way instead. And now you can think God has already proved his love and his care for me by dying for me on the cross. Romans 5, 8, right? God loves me more than I love myself. He has my best interests in mind, and he's powerful enough to help me. We are able, through the power of God's word, we're able to replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. And because of that, we can live a different life. The lies don't have to define our destination anymore. God's truth can bring us to a new destination. And so how do we do this, right? What does this look like practically in our lives? Well, I want to give us four steps, right? We start with understanding our thoughts. We go to identifying the lie, replacing it with truth, and making a defiant declaration. What does that mean? Let's start with understanding your thoughts, right? When you experience something, you always have an impulse, right? You have feelings. You have thoughts that you think in response to that thing. And I want to give you a few questions to kind of evaluate, examine the thoughts that you're thinking, right? I want you to ask, why am I doing this? Or why am I feeling this way? What is, what is driving this behavior? What is driving these thoughts? Is there something that I'm afraid of? When did, when did this feeling or when did this action start in my life? And what do, is, is there a need that I feel this action or this feeling is meeting, right? We want to understand why, what are the thoughts that I'm thinking, right? We want to examine our thoughts. And as we do that, we come to a place of identifying a lie, right? Oh, there's something happening in me. I'm believing something wrong, right? And so let's, let's say for, for a personal example, right? Let's say yours truly is preaching a message, right? And I go and I'm talking to someone and I ask them after the program, like, hey, what stuck out to you from the talk, right? And they're like, uh, 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 and they can't think of anything. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, cool, you weren't listening, right? And, and immediately I can go, I can feel discouraged, right? And so I ask, I examine my thoughts, I examine my feelings, why am I feeling discouraged? And I identify a lie that I feel like I am only important as people are impressed with me, right? And boom, like, oh, that's a lie that I'm believing. I'm not important or uh, valuable because people are impressed with me, right? And here's the thing. We often wouldn't 
consciously say this lie out loud, but our actions prove that we think that, that we're living by it, right? And so now I have this lie that I'm only valuable if people think I'm impressive or I'm important. I need to replace that with God's truth. That's number three, right? Let's just, let's just go to the basics, right? I am valuable because I'm loved by God. How do I know I'm loved by God? Well, you don't have to go much further than John 3.16, right? That God loved the world. He loved me so much that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life, right? That I can, I can trust that God loves me. And because God loves me, I'm valuable, right? And so now I take that to step four, make a defiant declaration. That lie that I used to buy into, I'm going to confront that lie with the truth of God's word. No, I'm not valuable only if people, lo- if people are impressed with me. I'm valuable because I'm loved by the God of the universe. I'm valuable because the God of all creation paid for my life with his. I'm worth the life of God according to God, right? I'm important. I'm worthwhile because God says I am. And so who cares if someone can't remember something that I said on stage, right? I'm secure. And now I'm able to live a different life. Instead of living the rest of my day or even week discouraged and thinking that I'm worthless, that nothing I'm doing is working. Instead, I'm walking in confidence that God loves me. God is using me and he has a good plan for my life. Amen? Right? So I want us to always, when we experience these things, I want us to walk through this line of examining our thoughts, identifying the lie, replacing it with truth, and making a defiant declaration instead. As we close, I just want to offer you guys a few core truths we got to know and hold on to from the Bible, right? First of all, I just mentioned it, but God loves you. God loves you. John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he sent his son to die for you because he loves you so much. What else? God is for you. You know, God is not against you. God is for you. He wants you. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? God is for you. What else? God made you for a purpose. If you're feeling purposeless or like your life doesn't matter, no, God made you for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What other ammo can I give you? How about this one? God will provide for you. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things like food and clothes will be given to you as well. God will provide for you. What else? Did you know God doesn't just love you? but he likes you. God delights in you. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. His love, he, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you. He will rejoice over you with singing. God likes you so much, he's singing about it right? What else? You can be made new. The old, your old life can really be left behind. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here, right? You really can live a new life. You really can be transformed by Jesus. And let me give you one more. No matter what bad and awful things are happening in the world and around you and to you, God will redeem everything. 
Revelation 21.5, the one who was seated on the throne says, behold, I am making everything new. God will make all things new. He will wipe away every tear from your eye. I just wanted to give you a few of those just as a starter, right? And, and I want to encourage you, get into the word so that you can be equipped for every battle that is going to come your way. And you can be grounded in knowing that God loves you. He cares for you. And you can replace every lie with his truth. 678C students, there is a battle for our minds. The attacks that we suffer from the enemy are lies. And a lie believed as truth will affect our lives as though it were true. But a lie recognizes a lie will lose its power over us. The weapons we fight back with are truth. And not just any truth, but the truth of God, right? We face new fights with an old sword. The word of God provides us with truth and sets us free to live the eternal and abundant life that Jesus died to secure for us. And so 678, CS students, let's go to war. We can do this. We can win because we have the Holy Spirit, because we have God on our side. You can win the war in your mind. And hey, we're going to do this together. I love you guys. Let me pray for us one more time. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are with us. You are for us. It's by your power and by your truth that we are set free from every attack and scheme of the enemy. We pray that you would help us to live in your truth, to live in your freedom. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you, CX7, 8, and CA students.